everyone, my name is Justin Kavanaugh, and I have written a novel. The novel is called The Spice of the Autumn Night, and I wrote it as part of National Novel Writing Month in November 2018. Yes, I wrote a 50,000 word novel in 30 days, and it's absolute bullshit. So, over the next few weeks, I'm going to be reading my book, The Spice of the Autumn Night, to you. One ridiculous chapter at a time. And today we're starting with chapter one. Chapter one. Carolyn Cluey looked out of the window at the goings-on in the street below. It was October, the start of the annual Autumn Harvest Festival in her idyllic hometown of Derby Falls and the whole town seemed to come alive for the first time in God knows how long. Carolyn eyed the active townspeople with a mixture of envy, suspicion, contempt, and confusion. Eleven months out of the year, the townspeople are selfish, apathetic, always going about their business with little care or attention paid to the goings-on of others. But October in Derby Falls was different. As if by some magic spell or potion, everyone suddenly realized that they were part of the great human brotherhood, and that care for others was part of something that they should devote their time to. Even now, Carolyn watched as punky teenagers helped old ladies across the street. Further down, a man was walking up the sidewalk and placing coins in every parking meter he passed. On the other side, outside of Deegan's Bakery and Cafe, old Mr. Deegan, a pillar of the community, was outside shoving free samples of delicious baked goods into the hands of passers-by. Everyone seemed to be caught up in the spirit of Derby Falls in October. Everyone except Carolyn. While the entire town seemed full of seasonal mirth and a bubbly altruism, Carolyn viewed Derby Falls with apathy and melancholy. She never seemed to get caught up in the mood of the town during harvest season. For many years, Carolyn had faked the fervor and spirit of the times, but now, having just begun her 40th year on earth, she could muster up the facade no longer. Her face, long as the day is long, could not conceal the depth of her discontent which plunged her spirit further than the Marianas Trench in the wild and turbulent Pacific Ocean. In the busy street below, Carolyn watched an angry man struggle with a taxi driver in the street, who'd just cut him off. As he stepped out into the street, ready to strike the man for having cut short his path, a sudden, almost beatific smile illuminated his face, and he outstretched his open palm toward the driver and the two shook hands in a spirit of eager brotherhood. How can this be? Carolyn thought to herself as she popped another coffee pot into her Keurig machine. I never feel this way. The coffee pot began to brew as hot water cascaded down from the reservoir and into her mug. The kitchen in which she stood was filled with the aroma of the Kenyan coffee fields, reminding Carolyn of her summer abroad in Nairobi. I was happy then, she said aloud to the open room. 
back when I was in Nairobi, studying anthropology, and spent every night in the arms of Jean-Pierre. It was true. Carolyn had not known true ecstasy since the night nearly two decades ago, as the hot Kenyan summer gave way to her fall semester back home, when she felt the last kiss of Jean-Pierre on her lips and felt his rough, stubbled jaw brush against her cheek. When she returned home from Nairobi, the summer already dead and gone, she felt as if the color had drained from her life. No autumn leaves, no vibrant jack-o'-lanterns, not even a colorful, hardy mum to bring some joy into her life. Carolyn felt forever lost in a sea of gray. And that is how her life went from that day until this. Of course, she'd known happiness and even the rare moment of joy, but her marriage to hotshot pre-owned car salesman and former college lacrosse champion named Dirk Cluey had been one of convenience, almost pre-planned by their fathers so to unite the family's respective businesses. Dirk's father manufactured tile grout for the governor's mansion, and Carolyn's father had built a successful bathtub-fitting empire. From their father's standpoint, the match was made in the stars. Except that Carolyn had never loved Dirk. She never even liked him. She did, however, love her father, and it was her devotion to him and his love of fitting custom bathtubs that propelled her to bow to the pressure and agree to marry Dirk. All the while, however, she dreamt of Jean-Pierre and the hot nights in Nairobi. She wanted a divorce, and when her father finally succumbed to the butt cancer that had left him a mere shell of his former self, she planned to leave Dirk and start a new life. But then she fell pregnant, and she knew that she could never leave Dirk now. After all, she had a baby now. One baby was followed by another and yet another and still another until she woke up one morning and found herself the mother of four children and committed to an endless agenda of soccer games and parent committee meetings a million miles away from her wild, carefree days in Nairobi with Jean-Pierre. Oh, Jean-Pierre. Feeling wistful for the past, Carolyn turned away from the window, physically blocking out the mirth and joy that was playing out before her eyes in the busy Derby Falls thoroughfare below. I won't do it, she said to no one in particular. I won't let myself feel these feelings. I am a mother and a wife, and I have responsibilities to fulfill. The Keurig sputtered and Carolyn was jolted back to reality, no longer feeling the spice of the warm summer nights in Nairobi and the strong arms of Jean-Pierre, which had been the only thing that truly made her feel free. I think you're an idiot! The busy restaurant ignored the sharp rebuke from Carolyn's best friend, Marcy Marcy. But even through the din of a room full of hungry diners, Carolyn felt stung by Marcy Marcy's words. 
What do you mean? said Carolyn. It's a perfect opportunity to finally have some me time. By me time, don't you mean selfish time? Marcy Marcy, despite her long and solid friendship with Carolyn, had always envied her for her easy-to-manage hairstyle and her ability to make friends. And for Dirk. Dirk and Marcy Marcy had been an item when Carolyn was away in Nairobi. And Marcy Marcy's family business was almost as good a match as Carolyn's. In the end, however, bathtub fitting won out over sink sprayer nozzle repair, and Marcy Marcy ended up married to Phil Futt, a part-time assistant manager of the local sporting goods store and pastor at Derby Falls Community Fellowship. I am not selfish, Carolyn said adamantly. I have given my entire adult life to Dirk and the children. I'm not asking for a million dollars or for some kind of month-long, wild and crazy bachelorette party. All I want is the chance to follow my dreams and find out what is missing in my life. Marcy Marcy chewed through a particularly tough piece of breadstick and spoke sharply, spewing tiny, moist croutons all over Carolyn's salad niçoise. Goodness me, Carolyn, I don't believe what I am hearing. You think something is missing in your life? Let's see here. Marcy Marcy held up an open palm and then used the butter-slathered index finger of her other hand to count off on her fingers as she elucidated her point. First of all, you're gorgeous. I mean, have you ever met anyone with a more manageable hairstyle? Despite the criticism of her life choices, Carolyn had to admit that she did have hair to die for. Secondly, you've got the guy that everyone in our class wanted. Do you know how many girls in Derby Falls wanted to get Dirk Cluey around their ring fingers? Carolyn knew that Dirk was a catch, but he was definitely a Derby Falls catch. A guy who would win the heart of a woman whose world was very small. Not like Carolyn, whose mind had been opened to the vast diversity of cultures and thought. That was the Derby Falls Memorial University's study abroad program. It was DFMU that allowed her the opportunity to explore the beauty of Sarajevo, the bustling markets of Dushan Bay, and the hot, hot summer nights of Nairobi with Jean-Pierre. Third, said Marcy Marcy, before her heavily buttered pointer finger slid off the palm of the other hand. Trying again, she continued, You have a lifestyle that most people in Derby Falls can only dream of. Or do you think that just anyone in town could be the heiress to a bathtub-fitting and tile-grout fortune? I didn't ask to be born into such privilege, said Carolyn. I can't help who I am. And it doesn't mean that I'm not grateful. I am. It was true. Carolyn did not undervalue the role that tile grout and custom-fitted baths played in her life. It allowed her a comfortable existence and the ability to devote her adulthood to the care and raising of her family. But at what cost, she said. Marcy Marcy dropped her fork in disgust, causing a modicum of brown turkey gravy to launch skyward from her plate before arcing back down and landing on her lapel. What do you mean? Carolyn was befuddled. She'd spoken without thinking. I didn't mean that. Good, said Marcy Marcy. 
What does it take to get a goddamn cocktail around here? Marcy Marcy craned her neck to look around the bustling restaurant. This service is appalling. If I were an alcoholic, I would come here to quit drinking, for Christ's sake. Carolyn tried to make herself as small as possible. She hated when Marcy Marcy acted poorly in restaurants. But at this point in her depression, she couldn't even bring herself to care one way or the other. She just felt empty inside, and not even the antics of her best friend could rouse an emotional response in her. Honey? Carolyn was a million miles away, her thoughts of Nairobi filling her with a sense of both nostalgia and shame as the secret of her semester abroad ate away at her. I'm sorry, dear, what were you saying? Dirk looked at her as if she had two heads, or was some kind of mythical creature that had sprouted from the loins of a capricious Greek god. Uh, I was asking whether you were able to get the dog neutered today? Carolyn had completely forgotten about the appointment at the veterinarian's office. So wrapped up was she in her confusion and lack of engagement in the joyful mood currently gripping Derby Falls. No, they, they were closed today, she lied. Due to a water main break. Dirk stopped chewing his hunk of meatloaf and pondered Carolyn's statement for a moment or two, then resumed his noisy mastication with great fervor. I'll call them tomorrow to reschedule, Carolyn added. The dinner table was once again entombed in quiet, with nothing but the sounds of chewing and utensils scraping at plates to break the silence. After several minutes of chewing, Carolyn steeled up all the courage she had in her petite yet taut body and summed up the will to speak. Dirk, I was wondering if you might want to take a vacation next summer. Maybe send the kids to camp or with my parents for a few weeks and go away together. Dirk, having finished his sizable portion of meatloaf and having moved on to the double dollop of mashed potato, inclined his head as he considered the proposal. I don't think so. Carolyn was crestfallen. What had she done to deserve such a pat rejection? It stung, but she pressed on. At least consider it, Dirky do. After all, we haven't gone on a trip away, just the two of us, since the kids were born. I thought it might be nice to have some us time. And maybe enkindle a love that had never gotten off the ground. A love that Carolyn desperately wanted, but for some reason could never find with Dirk. But oh, those warm summer nights in Nairobi with Jean-Pierre, when the palm trees swayed in the warm breezes coming in off the Indian Ocean, the sun sank low in the western sky. No, we can't afford a vacation right now, honey bunch. We need to pay off the mortgage and the loan on the Buick. Plus, the boys need money for their lacrosse gear. Carolyn poked her fork at her salad niçoise, her second of the day, and counted the days until her children were full grown. Don't be such a fool, Carolyn, said a shrill voice from across the cafeteria. Carolyn was busy using the expensive craft cut machine to turn ordinary sheets of orange card into festive pumpkins and autumn leaves, which would be used to decorate the halls of Derby Falls Elementary School for the fall festival later in the month. It had been 16 years since Carolyn first entered the elementary school's Caring Parents Association, 
and although she found the work tedious and the friendships even more so, it gave her something to do with her days that didn't involve pining away for the hot summer nights of Nairobi and the strong, masculine arms of Jean-Pierre. I would give anything for my husband to be half of what Dirk is for you. The shrill voice rang out again, and Carolyn turned to see Tootie Bevins, the Caring Parents Association president, punctuating her sentence with a flourishing wave of a pair of craft scissors. Tootie, I'm not saying that I regret anything, or that I want to end my marriage. All I am saying is that I have needs, and sometimes I wonder if Dirk doesn't realize that, or even care. Tootie flung a decorative hole punch across the felt-covered craft table, sending it tumbling and thumping toward Carolyn and releasing tiny star-shaped punched-out pieces of card all over the table. Carolyn, just take all your frustrations out on the cardstock. We need 6,500 die-cut pumpkins and 2,500 autumn leaves in red, orange, and yellow. It is easier to live with your dissatisfaction if you just get to crafting. Carolyn took out the hole puncher and started working on the stack of yellow card. Can I ask you ladies a question? She started, hesitant after the rebuke she received from Tootie. The half dozen ladies assembled at the table, nodded their consent, and she drew in a deep breath in order to prepare herself for potential rejection from the crafting group. Have any of you ever had an experience where your entire life came clearly into focus and you achieved a moment of total lucidity and peace in yourself? The ladies at the table looked at Carolyn curiously, and no one spoke. As the silence entered its tenth second, Carolyn couldn't take it anymore. Oh, come on, ladies. You can't possibly tell me that none of you has ever had a moment like that in your life. Looking around the table, she appealed to each of them in turn. Gloria, what about you? I know you once went to that Native American village out by Cape Sturdy, and you came back talking about fishing and living off the land and being self-sustaining, and you even tore up your social security card. Gloria demurred from the attention, embarrassed at the fact that her breakdown and subsequent knowledge pilgrimage from years ago was once again brought front and center before the crafting group. And you, Fanny, what about when your husband lost his job at the trout farm and you had to get your real estate license to support your family and keep your daughter in her gymnastics lessons? Didn't you achieve some kind of something from that experience? Wasn't it difficult for you to go back to the way things were after that? Fanny looked around, unwilling to keep her gaze on any of the crafting parents for more than a second or two. As she spoke, her eyes narrowed. Carolyn? That was the past. I did what I had to do so that my daughter could represent Team USA at the Athens Games, and it was totally worth it. No one at the table could disagree with that. Fanny's daughter, little Fanny, had done wonders at the Games in Athens, where she took third place in the ribbon-dancing finals. But it's over now. That was the past. And all I want to do is go back to the way things were before. Despite her adamant statement to the contrary, Fanny couldn't help feeling a bit wistful and nostalgic about her short but successful real estate career. Sure, Fanny continued. Did I enjoy the thrill of the sale and the rush of making a good deal? Yes. 
Did I enjoy the satisfaction from helping couples and families find their forever homes and achieve their dreams of property ownership? Yes. Was I filled with regret and torment when my husband started working at the trout farm again and I had to give up my dreams of being a successful career woman to go back into the home and cook and clean and cut his toenails? Yes! Carolyn looked down at Fanny's hands, which had feverishly manipulated a crinkle-cut tool against a stack of autumn harvest patterned paper. Sat in front of them was a foot-tall hillock of crinkly origami paper. Yes, yes, yes! Fanny shouted as she reduced even more sheets of origami paper into a crinkled mess on the table. Yes, I admit it. I don't feel fulfilled. I want more out of life. Carolyn, though shocked to the core from the outburst that had played out next to her, felt relieved at last that she was not the only one to feel this way. Carolyn stretched out one arm toward Fanny and calmly placed a hand onto Fanny's trembling fingers, stopping the obsessive crinkling of paper and sending the entire group into stunned and concerned silence. I understand, Fanny. I do, Carolyn said. It is hard to live a life where you cannot feel the freedom to be yourself or achieve your dreams. Fanny, her eyes wet with tears, looked up at Carolyn and smiled. I am so sorry I have been lying all this time, she said. I was so afraid that everyone would think I was a whiner or I was a bad wife and mother and that the whole town would judge me for these feelings. Carolyn took her hand from Fanny's now still fingers and gently rubbed her back. We Derby Falls girls have to stick together if we're ever going to achieve some kind of satisfaction in this life, Carolyn said. Right? Fanny nodded. You're right, ladies. Carolyn and Fanny, hitheretofore alone in their joint expressions of their tortured reality, were seemingly joined by a third. They raised their heads toward the voice and found its speaker to be Theodora Vanderpooper, the wife of none other than Thaddeus Vanderpooper, the mayor and richest citizen of Derby Falls. Carolyn's eyes widened. Theodora, are you serious? Do you feel this way? Theodora sat down beside Carolyn and Fanny, the look of anguish melting away into calm serenity. Yes, I do. For the longest time, I always told myself, Theodora, isn't it enough that you are Mrs. Thaddeus Vanderpooper, wife of the most prominent and well-respected citizen of Derby Falls? Trembling from her admission, Theodora stopped for a moment to take a sip of the steaming cup of hazelnut coffee that was sitting before her. Swallowing the hot liquid made her feel better, calming her nerves and restoring her spirit, and she continued... It isn't. It isn't enough. I am my own woman with my own desires and dreams, and Thaddeus, bless him, just cannot understand that. Carolyn and Fanny expanded their duet into a trio and enveloped Theodora into their cocoon of feminine support. It was a feeling, a sentiment, a breath of something inaudible and intangible that only women could understand. Let it out, Theodora, said Carolyn, as the physical and emotional embrace grew stronger. Let it all out. Theodora felt the release of the hug to be just what she needed, 
and the words and feelings poured out of her faster than water flowed from the Derby Falls Community Reservoir after the dam broke during the Great Flood and Dance Marathon of 1997. When I was a younger woman, many years ago, before you ladies were ever born, I was faced with a decision, one that would forever alter the trajectory of my life and determine everything that would happen next for me. I had the opportunity to go to school, to get an education in the sciences. As a girl, I loved chemistry and biology, and I wanted to work in a laboratory with test tubes and microscopes and Bunsen burners. I wanted to cure the common cold, find a treatment for cancer and tuberculosis, and make a difference in the lives of everyone on Earth. But I also had a responsibility. I was my father's only child, and in those days, ladies, women didn't have all the opportunities we have now. No university would admit me, except for the University of Fooley Horm. Fooley Horm, exclaimed Fanny, but that's clear across the country. Exactly, said Theodora. And in those days, a single girl couldn't just travel all the way across the country and attend a prestigious university without causing major trouble in the community. So I stayed local, and I attended Derby Falls Women's College and studied teaching. Carolyn knew this part of the story well. All four of Carolyn's children had been students of Theodora Vanderpooper, and all of them had loved having her as a teacher. I thought you loved teaching, Theodora, Carolyn said. After all, you were such a natural at it. My kids loved being in your class, even Gerald. I did love it, in a way, said Theodora. But I can't say it sustained me, lifted me up, made me alive, not in the same way as being a chemist would have done. Theodora looked out the window, watching the leaves swirling along the pavement in a mini-tornado. And of course, it was teaching when I met Thaddeus and became Mrs. Vanderpooper. Carolyn wanted to ask a burning question, but her fear of the reaction kept her silent. Theodora, as if by some psychic connection, seemed to predict the question and answered it preemptively. I wish I loved him more than I did. Thaddeus was a good man, but emotionally cold and frigid. He never gave me the feeling that I was loved or treasured or even considered that much. Carolyn gasped. I know exactly what you mean, Theodora. I felt the same way for as long as I can remember with Dirk. I think he loves me, but for some reason I cannot figure out how or why he does what he does. He is so distant with me and I cannot cope with it. I need to feel the fires of passion, and I do not think that can ever happen with Dirk. The fires of passion, like the ones she felt in Nairobi, in the strong, masculine, rugged arms of Jean-Pierre. You don't need to hear my story, said Fanny. Carolyn nodded in agreement. Fanny, unlike herself and Theodora, had experienced a loveless marriage that had played out in uncomfortably public circumstances. Fanny's husband, Marius, was a trade union leader 
for the industrial retrofitters local 717, and the breakdown of their marriage played out during a long and particularly nasty bit of industrial action by the union members. The strike lasted for months, straining the marriage almost as painfully as it strained the resolve of the workers. After a point, Fanny could take it no more, and was convinced that Marius would choose death or eternal strike action over reconciling with his wife. She left him, writing a simple letter to inform him of her decision. Management sympathizes with your plight and hopes for a fair and speedy conclusion to this disagreement. It was never to be fixed, however, as one month later Marius was killed in a freak combine accident, and the strike was ended shortly thereafter. The question is, ladies, what are we going to do? said Carolyn. Now that we know we all feel this way, we should be able to do something about it, right? Theodora looked skeptical. I don't know. Things have been this way for such a long time. I don't know if they can ever change. Won't our husbands not believe us when they tell them that we're unhappy? They might, said Carolyn. But what do we have to lose? I have everything to lose, said Fanny. After Marius died, I never thought I would find love again. And then Vlad entered my life and filled it with happiness again. You're a liar, said Theodora. You're just unhappy as Vlad as you were with Marius. I can see the look in your face when we run into you at the deal and dash. You are longing for the fires of passion just as much as Carolyn and I are. Fanny looked incredulous at first, but could sustain the facade no longer. She burst into tears and buried her face in her trembling hands. Oh, you're right, Fanny said with abandon. I have been lying to the whole town all this time. But worst of all, I have been lying to myself. I am such a fraud, and I hate the fact that I even woke up this morning. Carolyn shook her head. That may be a bit of an exaggeration, but I understand how you feel. The first step in being honest about your lives is being honest to ourselves. But how do we start making changes in our lives? asked Theodora. I think I know who to ask, said Carolyn. Dirk is attending the regional tile grout conference, and my kids will be out with friends. Let's meet tomorrow night at my house. And that is the end of The Spice of the Autumn Night, Chapter 1. Well, I hope you enjoyed Chapter 1 of The Spice of the Autumn Night. If you did, another episode, Chapter 2, will be along in about a week's time. I hope you enjoyed, and I look forward to discovering The Spice of the Autumn Night with you again next week. I'm Justin Kavanagh, and this is The Spice of the Autumn Night.